welcome to Basic Basic Snitches. snitches. Whew, it's almost 10.30 at night. Yeah. Tara, who is right here next to me. Uh, hello. I'm Adam. And we have seen a lot of each other this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> this past yeah. weekend was... Wizarding Weekend. Wizardly Weekend of Kent. Yes, I guess we have to say it properly so that they don't get sued or whatever. Whatever. We did this last year, too, Mm. where we did a 5K and then a bar crawl, and it was fun. We were very, very hot. Well, this year they canceled the 5K. (laughs) They did. It was still very, very hot, and we bar hopped a bit. Yeah. I was a little bit disappointed because I was, like, gearing up for this, but it was a very hot day. They were expecting some storms, so they canceled the 5K. (laughs) We did plenty of walk around anyways to be honest Uh, but it was great we met up with ashley and briefly dan and neil neil was very upset and then we met up with brian and his sister laura puffs yes two puffle puffs so we had all houses represented that's right Uh, it was pretty fun we you know hopped around had some drinks and then we also met up with dylan who is someone that both of us have done theater with in the Uh past and is like around delia's age and we had gotten a hotel room so then we went back to the hotel room at a pretty reasonable time we you know timed it out well yeah we went back to 11 11 30 yeah and then disaster struck so at about 5.15 a.m., the fire alarm comes on, and, like, it wakes me up, like, straight out of bed, and Tara was still kind of, like, wrapped up. I was like, whatever that beeping is, it's gonna stop, and I, like, covered my head with, like, a blanket, and I was like, this is dumb, and then I was like, oh, I guess this is really a thing. Yeah. And, and I was like, what is that? And he's like, I think it's the fire alarm. Yeah. Which is, like, this long, high-pitched beep. Yeah. In our room, but in the hallway, it was, it actually, like, it sounded yeah. like a real fire alarm. Terrifying. I was very disoriented. Adam puts on his flip-flops, doesn't grab his phone or put on his glasses. I put on my glasses, grabbed my phone and my wallet, but didn't put on shoes. And we start out of our room, and I notice that there is water pouring from the fucking ceiling down the hall. So I turned Adam around and we went down the stairs closer to our room. Yes, because we were in the Titanic, apparently. <laughs> it was very Titanic-esque. Being woken up like that in a hotel in the middle of the night, like, I was just like, I do not know how to operate. No glasses, nothing. We went down to the first floor. Obviously, other people are coming out the rooms and going downstairs. I, of course, could not see the rushing water because I'm blind as a bat without my contacts or glasses. <laughs> so we get down there. <clears throat> Everyone in the fucking hotel yeah. is in the lobby. Except for any, any employee. employees. No employees were there. We were like, someone's getting fucking fired. And at this point, it's like, okay, well something's up like it's obviously not a fire here like even when we were going to leave the building i mean it was raining anyways but it was pouring tara also noticed water just like gushing off Off the side of the 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 building and i was like what is that my first instinct because i don't actually know things and i i didn't even my brain didn't even go there's no way that this would be happening this fast was that there were firemen on the roof blowing water of like flames i was like oh they're on the roof putting flames out and obviously that wouldn't be what it was oh my when my brain went there. And then, of course, after... Well, again, like, when you're woken up all of a sudden yeah. in the middle of the night, everyone's just chilling in the fucking lobby for about ten minutes. Finally, a police officer came in, there's some, some firemen, they turned off the panel. And then they went upstairs to check the structural damage of mm-hmm. the hallway. And luckily, like, we were far away from the center of the building, but it was the center of the building that was, like... I chose the right room. I chose the room. Yes. 
Good job, Tara. We were basically back in our room by 6 a.m. They were looking for employees. Nope. They fucking later days out of there. I was thinking, what if a disgruntled employee, like, left and pulled an alarm? That's not out of the realm of possibility. What if this went off and the employees were like, yeah, I don't get paid enough for this. Bye. So just, like, a little bit of context from someone who has worked in a Hampton Inn, even. Like, this, we stayed in a Hampton Inn. And we came back after 11 and there was a person at the front desk. When I worked at Hampton Inn... And when I worked at Homewood, the overnight shift started at 11 p.m. and went until 7 a.m. The person who we saw at the front desk should have been the person who was there. That said, they clearly were not around. And I also had commented that a breakfast person should be there and there wasn't a breakfast person. However, the employee would have had to let the breakfast person in. So if they fucking left... The breakfast person could have showed up and been like, uh, I can't get in the building. We don't know. We literally got no answers. All we know is that after like 20 minutes, they were like, the manager's coming in. And that poor manager, she don't get paid enough. Yeah. Imagine coming in. I have no employees there. Everybody in the hotel is in the fucking lobby. The alarm just went off. There's policemen and firemen in my building. The roof is collapsing. The next morning, honestly, it was just kind of like, oh my fucking God, that actually that happened. happened. Uh, there were little crumbs in the hallway of ceiling dial. And they did have breakfast. It was probably the best hotel breakfast ever It was ever pretty had, good. It was pretty good. Honest. Anyways, we finished that. We went to Kent to see kind of like the vendors and everything. And it was pretty cute. We both got some souvenirs and stuff. Uh, we both bought wands. And then we met up with Jean for lunch. And it was honestly a pretty fun little trip, all things considered, with the 5K eating cancel and that disaster during the night. We're exhausted. because We are so tired. And that, um, that was yeah. today, guys. So I dropped Tara back off at her house, came here. We both took a nap, recorded the next episode, which we'll get to at the end of the episode. Now we're doing this. Tara doing this? still has to work. Yeah, so I have to go feed Jenny Lee's cats after we're done recording. So we're going to jump through this episode, get it done, and then I'm going to go feed cats, go take probably about an hour nap, and then work for four hours, and then feed cats again, and then take a really fucking long nap all day Sunday. And I am going to go to bed, and I'm not leaving my fucking house tomorrow. And today we are discussing chapter chapter five, five, Fallen Fallen Warrior. And it is time to acknowledge our patrons. You can also join this list at patreon.com slash basic snitches for as low as $5 a month. We have two tiers, $5 at the basic level and $10 at the Quen level. Our patrons are Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Olivia, Nisi, and Nicole. Thank you all, as always, for your support. Okay, so chapter four... Um, do you have a guess on who won and lost? Did anybody win? I'm assigning a win. It was a Hagrid. Yes. I think that's yeah. probably, like, he did his best to protect Hagrid her. literally, like, did everything fucking good. Do you know who the loser is? Is it Moody? Is Voldy. Oh, it is, because he didn't get to... He didn't get Harry again. Foiled again. Wow. By your own shortcomings once again, little buddy. <laughs> yeah, I guess this sounds about right. There were so many candidates for loss, honestly. Yeah, I mean... You could have said Mendungus. Oh. You could have said, unfortunately, Hedwig. You could have said yeah. so many people, but... I just went ahead and gave it to Voldy because um, he, again, was like, no one else can kill Harry. Again, other people could have just killed Harry and it would have been over. But no, you have to do it, Voldy, and that's how we got away from well, you. Well, luckily there was poor planning on both sides, so yeah. it's all fine. <laughs> 
Hey, guess what? My wine is ready for pickup. Oh my God, Wink. I ordered wine, obviously, from Wink, as I do sponsor us. Oh, that's the other thing. I was going to say, hey, Hampton Inn, want to sponsor us? That would be great after our ordeal at your yeah. hotel in Kent. Basically, I had to go to a FedEx facility because they always tend to deliver it when I'm not here. And I picked it up several days ago, and about every three hours, I get an email that says, you rang me, pick it. Anyways, chapter five, Fallen Warrior. Harry tries to wake Hagrid, but cannot. The next thing he knows, he is inside an unfamiliar house, and he gets to meet Quen Tonks' dad. He is reassured that Hagrid is okay by Ted Tonks, but both he and Hagrid are better once they see each other. We also meet Andromeda, who looks entirely too much like Bellatrix for Harry's liking. Their port key is leaving basically immediately, so they catch it and make it to the burrow. Slowly the others arrive, but when Lupin and George get there, George has lost an ear. When Bill and Fleur arrive, they learn that Mad-Eye Moody had been killed by Voldy. The piece of garbage Mundungus fled. The group drinks to Moody, then Fleur suggests that someone in the group had betrayed them. Harry protests and encourages the group to trust each other. Lupin and Harry have a tense moment over it before Bill takes Lupin to recover Mad-Eye's body. Harry tries to leave now, hoping to get away from everyone to keep them safe. They all stop him, reminding him of the sacrifices they all made that night to keep him safe. Harry tells them he knows, but he's not willing to put anyone in danger any longer. Then Harry tells them how his wand did magic without him controlling it, and they don't believe him. As the chapter ends, Harry has a vision of Voldy torturing Ollivander. Good times for nobody! <laughs> yup. And it's better than the last chapter, so there is that. I mean, yes, we get some news and stuff, but... We'll just start at the beginning. I mentioned this in the last chapter episode, where, like, literally the last thing that happens is that, like, Hagrid falls to the earth, and then you see the next chapter is called Fallen yes, Warrior, yeah, and I'm like, like you if said. you fucking killed Hagrid, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But the very first page of that chapter, you still do not get any resolution that Hagrid is alive. Yeah. I Harry mean, is trying to wake him up, and then he, like, passes out, and then... Ted and, and drama to take them in and take care of them. Yeah. Luckily, it does move pretty quickly. Like... You turn the page and you're okay. Yeah. Ted Tonks fixes Harry up real quick. He good. Yeah. He's real good. And then, you had mentioned it too, that Andromeda's likeness to Bellatrix. And, and Harry, like, does not react well to that. And yep. then he finally is like, okay, I guess she doesn't look that much like her. You get in this moment the feeling of how much trauma there is for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tonks' mom and dad's house, but mm. they're also missing a daughter. Yeah, like, they're like, is she okay? Yeah. And like, we don't know. And Harry being like, oh my god, I can't even tell them their child is okay. The whole situation is dire for everyone. And it's hard. There's something else here along the lines of just the realization, like, obviously they knew that they were moving tonight. As I was reading this, I was like, okay, so Snape gave them a wrong date. Clearly. So they just went with the Axley's date anyways? It's explained more in the Prince's Tale chapter, but I think the gist of it is that Snape gave them enough information so that the Dark Lord, so that Voldy, they would not be like, oh, Snape is not on our side. (laughs) Snape is balancing such a fine line in this book. I mean, obviously the whole time, but especially now. The whole thing is that it's actually Snape who suggests to Mundungus to do the seven Harrys. Like, he, like, whispers it in his ear, or he, like, confronts him or something. But the idea of the seven Harrys comes from 
Dumbledore's portrait and Snape, and they tell Mundungus, and Mundungus tells the order, and it's built from that. So Snape knows the whole plan. So what he does is he leaks everything except for the seven potters, because if he doesn't, they're going to be like, are you trying to pull it over on me? Yeah. So Snape is, he's just in a very, very difficult situation. And of course, it's explained later that when he sectumsempris George's ear, he's actually aiming for a Death Eater, but he misses. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I have to know the fact that it was Snape with the ear could have been worse if it wasn't Snape, perhaps. But if he was like, yeah, he was, yeah, he was not aiming. He was basically trying to play for the good side as best he could while being with the bad guys. Okay. Again, it's the fine line that Snape lives on. He is in more danger in this entire series than anyone else. Yeah. Okay, that makes some sense. Now, at the same time, like, even if this did come from Dumbledore's portrait and stuff, I mean, the planning is still bad. We came up with some better ideas. Yeah, we really did. But the fact that it was, like, through Mundungus, too, is so interesting to me. Because Mundungus was the easiest to confund Mm, and control. I feel like that's got to be what it is. Because there's no way... Think of the other people. Like, he's not going to be able to get close to Lupin. He's not going to be able to get close to Kingsley. Oh, right. Or Mad-Eye. Because of that because, line. Well, yeah. because also, if one of those people sees him, they're going to be like, you killed Dumbledore. And, like, you know, take him out or yeah. whatever. Send him to Azkaban. He's not worried about Mnuggus. Because Snape is also, like, easily one of the strongest wizards in the series. Yeah. But he also doesn't want to hurt these people. He probably wouldn't have any qualms with hurting Mnuggus if he needed to. Yeah, I guess that's Mnuggus sucks. true. Yeah, for real. Now, another thing that happens here, of course, I hate to bring it up again, but, like, Harry's realization after all of this of, like, what happened to Hedwig, oh, it's just, like, it's... W- once again, like, everything that happens here is just so <laughs> shitty. Yes, they're safe like, now. And but... Hagrid's, like, where's Hedwig? Yeah. like, she got hit. Unpacking the chaos is just horrible because then, of course, think of what Molly must be thinking. Like, one by one, these port creatures are showing up with nobody there. Nobody. The first people to arrive are Hagrid and Harry, aren't yeah. they? Yes. And then the very next people are Arthur and George is the year one. Right? Lupin and L- thank you. Lupin that's right. I got and, it. That uh, that's confused. okay. Lupin and George. Yeah, and George's ear is missing. It's like, oh, cool. So everybody else is missing. Everyone's missing. George and has been hurt with dark magic. She would be freaking oh, yeah. out, you know? To flashback to just a little bit earlier, when I really just appreciate Hagrid, how he handles Harry about Hedwig. She had a great old life. Hagrid is the one that got Harry Hedwig. Yeah. Did we look up how long Snow Owls live? At some point. I bet they live longer than she was supposed to. Yeah. Like, well, we don't know how old she was when Harry got her. Yeah, there's that too. So let's pretend like she, well, she's actually in France. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Don't forget, she's actually, you know, eating her croissant. Another thing that is unpacked here, because, like, people are gradually coming in. There's this thing about Stan. This is where they talk about, obviously, oh. like, that it was Stupefy and Yeah, when they're like, stuff. Harry, you should use Stupefy, and he was like... Someone would die, because it's and, an heir. Yeah. Because then Stan Shrunpike is brought up. And Harry assumes that Stan was good, and that perhaps he was imperioed. I don't necessarily think this is something that they said, because I wrote it down, but, like, I don't think at this point we can assume anybody is good. And, like... You start to see it as, like, Lupin arrives and Kings arrives, and they're, like, questioning them, like, say something that only this person would know. I don't think that you can just assume that he's being imperioed at all either, though. Like No. One of the biggest tragedies about Harry 
is that he desperately still wants people to be good. Yeah. Like, even if Stan is actually a Death Eater, he's an active Death Eater by choice, whatever, like, Harry's just not willing to think of this person who he met when he was a scared 13-year-old who was just fascinated by the idea of Sirius Black and working on the night bus, and he's clearly only a couple years older than Harry, and just, like, this young person being pulled over to the dark side because he just wants to believe in the good of people. And so when he sees this person in the situation, his instinct is not to hit him with anything that could hurt him. Yeah. Including stupefy because that would make him fall off his broom and fall to the earth and die. And that's Harry. Like, that's just how he thinks. And so he uses Expelliarmus and then they're like, well, you shouldn't have used that because yeah. they all saw you use that against Voldemort two years ago. And Harry's like... Oh, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I... That's I, your signature move. <laughs> previously, I said that he used stupid... That's what I meant, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. see, my thought here, too, is, like, why would the Imperio people to join them <laughs> when they're, like, mindlessly killing people all the time? Like, why would they just, like, Imperio people more often and make their army stronger, I guess? Yeah. If that's what they were doing. And, like, obviously, I mean, we could go through the series so many times and be, like... How many times have we thought there was someone good and they turn out to be bad or vice versa? Right. You know? Well, and you know what? I will say that I don't think that we ever get a clear take on Stan. I don't think we And do that's either. okay. That's actually okay. That's not a thing that bothers me, one, because I just don't care about Stan. Mm. For Harry's sake, I would like to think that he gets a clear answer on that, and mm. that's all I need to think, is that I would, yeah. I would like to believe Harry does learn the truth about Stan Shunpike. Because I want him to have that loop be closed, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I took extra points away from him, so he's a bad guy. He's a bad but guy. But who knows? Who knows? As we progress further and further into the chapter, what I found myself thinking, and maybe it's because you pointed out so much Fallen Warrior, Hagrid, mm. and all this stuff, I think you start thinking more and more like, okay, who... Who died? Who is it? Who is the Fallen Warrior? Who died, yep. And I told you when we were watching the movie, I think that the Order here... (laughs) No pun intended, the Order of the Phoenix, but the Order of them arriving makes sense to me because it's Hagrid and Harry, and then it's Lupin Lupin and Fred. Lupin and George. George, yes. Then it's Kingsley and Hermione, correct? Yeah, Kingsley and Hermione. Mm. And you see Lupin questioning Harry, and then you see Lupin and Kingsley questioning yeah. each other. And then the, it's Arthur, Arthur and, Fred. and Fred. And so I think at that point, because that's then five, or, or is it Tonks and Ron? I think it might be Tonks and Ron and then Arthur and Fred. Because I think once the trio there, then you're like, okay, like we're down to it. It's Ron and Tonks. And Ron and Tonks, and, okay. Yeah, and I think... I think that makes the most sense, because then, like, the trio is out of the way. At that point, I would think, okay, it's either Arthur or it's Moody. Like, Oh, no, no, it is Arthur and Red, and then... And then, then. Tonks and okay. Ron. Okay, so even on that case, like, once... There's a, there's a Weasley in literally almost every pair. Right. I guess then, like, once it's Tonks and Moody who haven't arrived, I think those are the two that you think. And then, obviously... Because I don't necessarily think that they would call, like, Fallen Warrior. We don't know Bill enough. We know Fleur enough, but I don't still don't think, like, necessarily at this point she has this, like, hero. It yeah. starts here, I think. I think by that point you're like, it's Moody. Like, you can, like, almost make that assumption. Because nobody's calling him a And here's the thing is that I don't think that when I was reading this the first time, I don't think that my brain was, like, at that point as people were starting to arrive, I stopped being, like, who died? 
envy. I was so caught up in everything that was happening. Oh, for me, I was kind of caught up this time, and I think I probably was the first time too. Like, okay, who is it? Who is it? But who also, out of every person in this chapter, Moody is a hundred percent a warrior. Yes, that's true. Like, they're all soldiers in this war, but like, look at Moody's life. Moody has always yeah. been an aggressive pursuer of justice. Also, like, he had to die. Because I think that they would have progressed through the next rest of the book much more much easily. Much more easily. Well, that is true. I do think, I mean, you thought that it could have been Hagrid. I think there's a case for Hagrid. I think there's a case for well, Kingsley. I think like, that there is too, but when you think of like, when you look back and you're like, oh, a warrior. But the reason for Hagrid was literally the circumstance of how the chapter sure. ended. Yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting how it unfolds. They, like you said, they all drink to his health. We have to mention the little thing when the twins reunite. Oh my god. Because I really do picture this entire time, like, Molly is just fucking freaking out. Like, I feel so, so bad for Molly. Yeah. And it's like, okay, the twins are here. So we still have Ron, we still have Ron and Bill left. So those are Mm -hmm. the two Weasleys left. So all of her sons aren't there. Both of the twins are there. Her husband is there. Her husband is there. And then the twins are kind of like... Making fun of the situation. Well, of course they are, because... Of course they are. That's what everyone needs. It was just lovely. I do kind of like it. It is a bad joke. Like, it, I mean, I feel like there are probably better ear puns, so I agree right? we, we agree, Fred. We agree. But 100%. also, we're giving George the benefit of the doubt, because he did lose his yes. ear. So, that's all my... I'm not necessarily, like, knocking them for that. I'm just kind of, like, so concerned about Molly here. And, like, honestly, probably Ginny, too. Like, she's the youngest... I'm sure, like, Ginny feels like that she could... We had even talked about, like, Ginny's great on a broom. Like, she could have helped. But she's not of age. She's not of age, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that, like, just the idea of when Harry and Hagrid get there, and it's Molly and Ginny are there, the rest of the family is out there, you know, and we're hit with that every time. And, you know, and, like, in the fifth book, remember when Molly sees the bogger, and it's, like, everyone's body. Yeah. The twins are dead on the floor. Percy's yeah. on the floor. Arthur, Harry, Ron. This is clearly something that mothers worry about and yeah. think about. And, like, that's their nightmare. So I get it. Not that we don't mourn the fuck out of Fred's death at the end of the book. But, like, the Weasleys made it out pretty well. Yeah, and, like, considering this especially year, like, it just shows how, like, dire it is, how, like, vulnerable everyone is. And so I agree. I think, like, the fact that we really only lose the one and then an yeah. ear like yeah. fine not fine right <laughs> but you know it could have been so much worse we also learned that bellatrix is like really trying to kill tonks yeah she's like oh you're my niece i must murder you like fucking bellatrix i mean at this point it's like this is what we've come to expect of her she's you know it sucks control, honestly yep i mean the, literally the next thing i wrote was and they're very lucky like you said dung when they were disapparating Here's the thing. No or, one or, should no one should have been surprised by that. Well, the fact that they call him Dung. That's yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing, so I had even said, why put Harry with Hagrid? Because Hagrid is not necessarily, you know, the strongest. But we learned that Moody had even thought and expected them to go after them. Yeah, because they were like, okay, Harry would be with the strongest. So Okay, there is something to that. There's an interesting parallel to that, to what happened with James and Lily. Because everyone expected them to make Sirius their secret keeper. And they went with Pettigrew. Mm. There's just an interesting parallel there. 
Like, everyone expected Harry to go with Mad-Eye, and he went... They said, like, they went after Kingsley next. Yeah, they sent him with Hagrid. It's just, it's a very interesting parallel to me. I guess. Because that's how Wormtail became the Secret Keeper. They, like, decided to They were go like, with... well, they're not going to try to torture it out of him. You know, they would go after Sirius yeah. or Lupin first, because Sirius was the assumption. Yeah. At the very least, like, in this case, it worked out. Obviously. And also, I think that they actually, at some point, said that they assumed Sirius was their Secret Keeper. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think, like, in this case, it worked out a little bit more. I'm Like, when I saw that, I was like, all right, like, I can give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like, I still think the Seven Potters thing is stupid. But now we know that it was Dumbledore, and, like, there was some thought that went into it. It wasn't just, like, completely blind. It was still a terrible idea. Yeah. Oh, still. Absolutely. Um, but also, I'm not, like, this is not knocking anyone else, because I think everyone else absolutely would the length of the recklessness that Hagrid would put forth to protect Harry there's something about that that just feels correct Moody would absolutely do every fucking thing he could to protect Harry every other one of the protectors would have done everything they could it's yeah. not like a concern about it's maybe Bill because I'm not really sure how much Bill cares he probably does but like Hagrid is just so protective of Harry that like it just felt right mm. I don't know that's my feeling about it after they talk about how mad I expected Voldy to go after him first Fleur is like hold on we still need to fucking know like how they knew all this stuff mm. and she like glares at everyone and no one says anything Harry starts thinking about how Voldemort had tricked Hagrid in their first year into giving him information mm. in exchange for Norbert's Norbert. egg yeah. And so Harry is like, uh-uh, I'm not standing for this. And he just is like, no one in this room, I don't believe anyone in this room betrayed me to Voldemort. Even if it happened, it was not on purpose. They were tricked or whatever. And then Lupin is like, give him the weird look. And that's the awkward moment between them. Again, I really struggle with the James Potter hate because the little hints you get of him not from Snape are like, he wasn't actually that bad of a person. Mm. Um, so this moment here, Lupin was wearing an odd expression as he looked at Harry. It was close to pitying. You think I'm a fool, demanded Harry. No, I think you're like James, said Lupin, who would have regarded it as the height of dishonor to mistrust yeah. his friends. Harry and his like unwavering trust in his friends and also the parallel to what you just said with like yeah Pettigrew and stuff yeah because like James and Lily never would have thought that you know yeah and also like go back a few pages to when Lupin and Kingsley are questioning each other what are the last words Albus Dumbledore said to the pair of us yeah trust Harry yeah he's the best hope you have trust him and like that is Harry being like this is what we fucking have y'all it's so hairy, and then he just continues to be fucking hairy. The theme of trust there, I think especially, like, just like James, because he would have seen it as such a dishonor. In a way, I'm like, yes, that's our Harry. His heart is in the right place and stuff. At the same time, I think there's a lesson here, and I mean, it is what it is. Harry doesn't necessarily learn from it, but I think we need to have a little bit of skepticism. And to what you said about Fleur of like, okay, we need to figure out who betrayed us. And we kind of talked through it, obviously, that like, it was Snape all along, kind of in the background, you know, pulling some strings and whatnot. So it wasn't necessarily that any of them betrayed them. But of course, the whole time I was reading this, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking that it was Mundungus. So Mundungus didn't really do anything necessarily wrong, other than, of course, fucking disapparating, right? He's just a fucking coward. Do we see him again? We do. 
Okay. The way that you said that made me think that it's probably, once again, in something that is unsavory. We do see him again. God, he sucks. Unfortunately. Then there is that moment where he's like, okay, bye, everyone. And it's like, we got you here for a reason. the phone, bitch. Molly's like, we got a fucking wedding that is planned. (laughs) I love that we're like, this wedding is super (laughs) important. Yep. But... Once again, to kind of go back to it, it's like, this is Harry's conditioning. Of course he's not going to want... And here's the thing. I can't blame him. And here's the thing. This chaos... He knows. He knows. They're all like, Harry, we just did all this. And he's like, you don't... Do you don't think I fucking know? Every time. It's Harry trying to be like, but we can't. Truly, it's one of those instances where, like, I can't blame Harry for thinking this way, but I can't blame everybody for reacting to him either. Exactly, exactly. It's a shitty situation. situation. Either way, yes, I kind of wish, after all this chaos, we could just, like, sit and chill for a little bit, too. I mean, the energy's buzzing around, too. Like, Harry's also a very active sort of person. It really sucks. It does. In the back of my mind, and I think it's because I know it happens at the wedding and stuff too, I'm partially like, could we have thought, of course, the Death Eaters are eventually going to come to the borough. Like, because in the moment, it's like, okay, sure. They don't know which location that you're going to. If I were a Death Eater though, it's very similar to like, oh, well, they're going to put Harry with the strongest. I would think that they were eventually going to go to the borough, you know what I mean? Right. Or Grimmauld Place, I guess. Right. Maybe. Well, that's a whole thing that we will get into yeah. later. But, yeah. And I have a lot of things to say about the wedding, but we'll get there. There's also the sad thing when Mrs. Weasley also asked about Hedwig. Oh, yeah. And Harry's like, can't answer. Her. Once again, ugh. at the very <laughs> least... Hopefully, it's not going to be the serious effect of like every no, that's, chapter. That's literally, I think that's the last thing she's mentioned. And also, I love that Hagrid is like, wait till people find out you beat Voldy again. He, because he knows about Hedwig. Obviously, yeah. he actively changes the subject, and I really appreciate yeah, that right there. Yeah, and that Thanks, is kind buddy. of a nice thing of like Voldemort must be like, oh, I just can't get that little Harry. <laughs> It would have gotten away with it, too. (laughs) Yeah, if it weren't for you meddling order members. Real quick, can we talk about Harry's wand? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, can you give me some background? Is it the twin core thing? Okay, so, this is, again, explained later in the book. Harry is telling them, it was my wand. My wand acted of its own accord. And Hurley Hermione and Papa Weasley are like, that can't happen. You just did magic out of stress, not realizing you were doing it, but, like, you did it. And he's like, no, my wand literally turned in my hand and shot gold sparks at Voldemort. And he's trying to explain that. No one believes him. Whatever. It's not the twin core. It's literally, well, it is, but it's Harry's wand recognizing Voldemort. Recognizing what connection Voldemort has to Harry. Mm, okay. And I don't know if it has something to do with, like, the fact that one Voldemort isn't using his own fucking wand. He's using Lucy's. I have no idea other than, like, oh, it's it's yeah. Harry's wand recognizing the threat of Voldemort and reacting. Whatever that fucking means, Harry's wand is, like, extra cool. I don't know. Yeah. Here's the thing. There is also evidence. And they kind of mention it here. Like, I just think of at the very, very beginning of the series where I have the zoo with the snake and making the glass disappear and all of that. That's magic that he didn't use a wand for. Yeah, and he was under stress. Couldn't explain it. This is the movies, but I always like to think of that guy at the Leaky Cauldron at the beginning of the third movie who's, like, stirring his coffee with his finger. 
Oh, yes. Like, well, the, like, it's the spoon, but, like, he's moving the spoon. I'm sure if we really wanted to nitpick, we could probably find other instances where, like, it's not wand magic, it's not a potion, etc. Some of those loopholes, I think, are kind of interesting. And it's, like, not loopholes that you can't find. It's, like, it's baked into this stuff. The wand lore is not as completely thought out. Some of it's convenient. Whatever. And then, yeah, at the end of the chapter, Harry was like, I need air because he his scar hurts and he goes outside and like watches Voldy torture Ollivander and be like that didn't fucking work bitch yes okay so, and actually and Ollivander literally is like this is all I knew he didn't actively try to help Harry he just doesn't know or understand this is a weird situation you know this is going back to like Umbridge specifically when Umbridge was like Snape bring me all of your Virtus serum and he's like you stupid bitch we used it all and it takes a long time and she's like Fuck you, you're fired or something. You were just given adequate information in response to your request. And you're like, no, I can't accept the truth as truth. Yes. That's the same sort of thing here. It's like, you guys are clearly powerful wizards. Like, Umbridge, as a woman, you had to work your way up. Like, okay, props to you. I mean, all the other shittiness aside. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, no props for that. But, like, you're in this moment of stress and tension. Just like me yesterday when the fire alarm went off, you don't know what the answer is. Yeah, you like, don't know what the answer is. You don't know is. to grab your glasses and stuff. You're just like, oh, this is nonsense. It doesn't fit in with my fantasy. Same thing here. Voldemort, come on. We see your journey to, like, greatness, quote unquote, being a great evil wizard. And here you are torturing a wand maker, and he's just, like, telling you the facts, and it's not good enough for you. And that's how the chapter ends. It'll be interesting. I'm very glad that we're now at the burrow, and we have some time to just kind of... Let's let's wait a little bit here until, like, the action comes back up again. I'm really grateful for that. Originally, I was going to try a new game today. Uh Uh-oh. Because, as y'all know, there are, like, three to four seasons of Drag Race at a time that I always talk about on this podcast. And there is a very beloved challenge that happens every time called the Reading Challenge. Okay. We are not doing the Reading Challenge. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I, I was going to have us, like, read... Or, like, basically make funny insults about some of the characters in this chapter to kind of, like, lighten the mood a little bit. (laughs) However, we have had a very long couple days, and my brain is not going to be able to do this game properly. And I have to go still. Yes, and Tara's day is not done. Like, she leaves my house, I'm cleaning up, and I'm going to bed. Tara does not have that luxury. So, because her brains are fried, I'm changing this to, oh, shit. Oh no. Which is a much easier game than I think that our brains have the capacity for. Jesus. So maybe I'll try the reading challenge at some point. Again, it would be much more fun to do this reading challenge game when it's bad guys mostly that we can refer mm-hmm. to. And not, you know, Hagrid and the Weasley twins. So so basically I would like you to ship these characters with another character. Or it could be an item. Like, feel free to ship some of these people with, like, a Mimbleus Mimbletonia. (laughs) And we are going to start with Hagrid. Oh, I mean, it's obviously Madame Maxine. It is obviously Madame Maxine. She was the first one. I'm not actually going to choose everybody they wrote down, but yes, obviously Madame Maxine. Very, very good. Who would you ship with Moody? Oh, definitely going to ship Moody with some faux glass. What if, like, so he's just going to look into that little glass and make out with himself? Probably. Or his dustbins. 
his dustbins, I would ship him with the Grom. Moody would maybe enjoy the Grom. They would have some very weird babies, assuming that one of them has a vagina. It just feels like those two like would fit together well. I don't know. He would teach Grops the Grops all kinds of shit. He would teach Grops the language of love. <laughs> Next is Bellatrix. I mean, I know who Bellatrix wants to be shipped with. Yes, but we're not gonna ship her with the Dark Lord. Because people would be like, I'm gonna ship Bellatrix with Rodolphus the Strange, her husband, <laughs> who she never spends time with. No, and she definitely does not want to fuck. Oh, she's such an asshole. I'm gonna ship her with Fernor. That Two is kind horrible of... people just go over there. Cute. I mean, they're both baddies. They would love it. Like, they would get to get along well. I am going to ship Bellatrix with, as cruel as this may be, because she also kills this creature, I'm going to ship her with Dobby. Oh. Because Dobby is no. made out of foreskin, and she might enjoy that. And then maybe they would have a lovely relationship, and Bellatrix would not be evil anymore, and then Dobby doesn't die. I don't think that that's how that would go at all. Well, this is my fantasy. Let me have my fantasy. <laughs> Mundungus. Now, Mundungus is the troll eye. from the first movie. Oh, that is very. Dolores Jane Umbridge? No, that troll. That is well, the troll from the first movie. I'm not shipping him with Dolores Jane Umbridge. So, a different troll. Oh. The like, troll that, that gets knocked out in the first movie. In the in underground. No, no, not the one oh, that right. Oh, 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 yes, yes. Okay, I understand. The other one. Dolores Jane Umbridge's twin sister. Yes. Got it. Um, now, he is the one that I am going to ship with uh, Moody's dustbins because he belongs in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Since, unfortunately, we cannot ship Fred with anybody, and he's, like, pretty much the only single one left in this group, who do you ship Fred with? Fred, Fred. survives. He also Fred goes survives. to France. I ship him with Hedwig. They go to France together. They become married. They eat croissants for the rest of their lives. Oh, no. I think that he gets over the fact that George ends up with Angelina, even though he and Angelina were a thing. And then he realizes that he is bi and he, he's with Lee. Uh, yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. Is Lee also bi? I mean, everybody is bi except for Ron Weasley. Basically, so. yeah. Uh, lastly, who are you going to ship with? Ollivander. Aw, Ollivander. I'm going to ship Ollivander with the alive version of Bethilda Backshot. Whoa. Not her corpse. The alive Bethilda Backshot. Oh my Backshot. god. Okay, well, who do you ship with her corpse? Nagini? Um, yeah, Morphin Gaunt. I think Nagini makes sense. They're a beautiful lesbian couple. Bethilda Backshot and Nagini. Speaking of, my answer for Ollivander is a beautiful gay couple, and that is Grip Hook, because you know they fucking in the Malfoy basement, okay? No. They're having, they're having a lot of... No, but we hate Grip Hook. I don't know. I, don't know I hate Grip Hook. I hate him. I don't like him. Well, Ollivander does not hate him. In fact, he loves him very much. Right. Especially his weird, corkscrewed goblin dick. Jesus. Speaking of goblin dick. The movie actually is not gobbling dick this time. It actually does a really good job. So yeah, so the movie skips over Tonks' parents. We just don't do that. Yes, which kind of wanted to see like what Andromeda like. I want to see what the which nice actress version. they well, pull in to look. It like would military. be fucking. I don't think it would be. I think that they would find an actress that looks a lot like her, which would really? be really cool. Yeah, that would be cool. I kind of think it would be fun to like style her in a different way and like. I don't know. I want to see the nice version of Bellatrix. I don't know that I can trust Helena Bottom Carter to, like, not be fucking insane on screen. 
Uh, I can because later, I think it's in the next movie, it's Helena Bonham Carter playing Hermione, playing Bellatrix. Which is still fucking insane because Bellatrix is insane. No, because she's kind of like, I believe I would like to go to my folks. Like, she, she does it in a coy kind of way. She's still a little cray. I believe in Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, I do too. I also give people opportunities. Because there are That's there are pe- like there are a lot of fucking actors out there. There are a lot of actors that look similar. I mean, they did put all the Dursleys in this movie without any speaking roles. So. Right. No, I think the movie like once they get there, for my liking, I think Molly is a little bit too calm. They don't give her the space to be worried mother and like when george gets there it's like okay she has something to focus on and that's pretty much it the moment when fred gets there and they have the whole little holy moment and all of that very alike what happens in the book molly's looking at and she's just like beaming on her son with a missing ear and i'm like you still have missing children though like i don't believe that molly would be yeah it's like bill has not arrived yet and I don't know if think Ron has arrived yet either. On the complete opposite side of the spectrum, when Lupin gets there, he, like, grabs Harry and bangs I him mean, up against the wall. He kind of does in the, in the book, too. It's, I guess. It, it Maybe in the movie it's because of the whiplash of Molly's behaving, and then Well, it's and like, also, Whoa. like, also literally in the same shot, Lupin and George arrive. Lupin is supporting George, and Harry goes to help him bring George in. And then, like, the second they get George on the couch, he's like, all right, bitch. Like, it's very, yeah. Harry is not, like, prepared at all. Well, it's almost like David Thewlis pauses a little bit. He, like, gets him up against the wall. And you can tell, like, Daniel, his face is straining in a way where it's, like, it's very natural. And in a way that, like, Lupin pauses so that I can almost notice that before he, like, questions him. I don't know how else to describe the it. The two it of just... them are really, really on fire in, in that moment. It's on fire. It's just the... I don't know. It it doesn't pace well to me. No. I think it's meant to just show, like, how heightened everything is. And I think that the part of it that doesn't fit is Molly. I yeah, don't that's think what that, I was just going to yeah, say there. She is not heightened enough. She's not heightened enough. And then actually, as more people start arriving, too, like, it softens more. Like, you can almost tell that they didn't do the thing in the book of, like, oh, I mean, it was still chaos. But everyone seemed to arrive on time. If Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't. But they, but they didn't play it up like it was terrifying, you know. And then, like, they lightened it up with, like, Ron and Tonks arriving. And Ron is still, like, in the Harry Potter. Okay, that and was I cute. I love it. I that love was it really so much. Cute. And then you have Tonks... Hugging Lupin and, you know, saying that, like, Ron was protecting When her. those two arrived, I was like, okay, this is sweet. Like, the whole way yeah. that they... And even, like, when Arthur and... See, I'm getting them all Fred. mixed up. When Arthur and Fred arrived, that was also, like... And he's like, it was a I, little calmer. I need to go see myself. Like, he's... Yeah. It's... But it, it doesn't stay heightened. Like, it, it, it doesn't should. say as heightened as it should. And then all of a sudden, everyone is hanging around. I think it's when the holy moment is happening. And Fleur and Bill are just there. They're just there, and Bill's like, my dad's dead. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say, like, it's almost funny to me that it's in this moment where she is just looks more normal. But I was like, ooh, Fleur pretty in this moment. Fleur is very pretty. What I love about the actress that they chose to play Fleur... She is very pretty, but she's not, like, so pretty. It's that is distracting. distracting. Yeah. They really 
chose someone with a natural good beauty that wasn't like, oh my god, she's just like this like she's distracting, stunning, distracting. Yeah. Like I just I don't know, I really like her, and she underplays the character in a. I think a really, really nice way. Um, yeah. We don't really see... She doesn't get to do much in either movie she's in, but she... Yeah, I mean, I guess... Because, like, I'm just thinking, in contrast to when she comes in and they have the birds, and I think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there are times, like, at the lake task and in the maze task where you do get to see her and she is a little bit more, like, normal, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just... I It struck me, I think, in this moment for some reason... I don't know. And that's pretty much what happens. Yeah. Right? We don't we don't really see much anything else. They um, go to bed and, like, Harry doesn't, like, have a fuss or anything. He has other nightmares, which we stopped the film there. So yeah. we'll pick up there. Because they, 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 they did a lot of, because they fucked up the last couple movies, they do a lot of adding shit in here just to, like, fill in gaps. It's not necessarily incorrect, but it's not great. Yeah. Like, so we'll it, see. It's, like overcompensating. Like, oh, we have to show Harry dreaming about Dumbledore dying because we saw Harry in the last film thinking about Sirius dying because we saw Harry in the film before that thinking about Cedric dying. Yeah. (laughs) Why is Harry not in therapy, honestly? Well, because they haven't invented therapists in the wizarding world. Right. Also, like, they're about to have a wizarding war. He ain't got time for that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I am giving plus... 30 to Molly, because once again... Her entire family is out there. In the book, she's worried sick. And, like, I love Molly in the movie. I love that actress who plays her. I think she's amazing. But, and again, maybe it was directing. I could totally see the director being like, look like you care about your son who's bleeding out of his ear hole. It just isn't natural. That's not Molly to me, but... To me, I'm just, like, so laser-focused on Molly. I had to give her 30 points. Plus 20 to Ted and Andromeda Tongs, because they take care of it. Like, they take care they of it. They take care of it. They're like, let's get you better and stuff. Like, like it's Harry the- and Hagrid are in rough shape. Yeah. They get them to the Porky on time. They're the only people who get to the Porky on time, despite everything. Good on them. Plus 25 to George for losing his ear. He survived. He didn't bleed out. He is just like Vincent Van Gogh. He goes on to be a beautiful painter. What if he did? It's canon now. Plus 10 to Ollivander because he is trapped. And Poor Ollivander. But he is fucking grip hook a lot. So, I mean, good for him, I guess. Negative 30 to Mundungus. He sucks. Because he is dung. Negative 40 to Bellatrix because you are bad at aunt. And negative 50 to Voldemort. Because he sucks. Because he sucks. Did I take points away from... I did take... Why did I take 50 away from him this time? Was there a reason? Because he did not manage to kill a child again. I, I guess, but points act a little bit different than, like, win or lose. I don't know. I'd negative 50 Voldy. He deserves it. So next time, friends. We are not reading. We are going to talk about movies. Movie number. Five and six. Yes. Um, I was about to say movie number three. Movie um, episode number three. Yes, with Peggy and Natalie. Yeah. It's so, me and a bunch of Slytherins. Yes. Good. Exactly how it should be. Come be a Slytherin. <laughs> it's exciting because we haven't had Natalie on into some season since one. Since season one. Which is amazing. Also, her Harry Potter movie journey is great. Yes. More on that in that episode. Uh, and we haven't had Peggy on for a while either. Yeah. So it's nice to have some... Lovely Slytherin friends. And also just OG guests that we haven't had for a while. That's true. So we will catch you then.
Thanks, guys. Farewell. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out! <laughs>